Welcome back. This is the Sunday Puncher Podcast. You got Angelo here with you. I got Fred. No Tom this week. No Lex. Just me and Fred here to break down Mikey Garcia's dominant question mark win over Jesse Vargas. Fred, I don't know about you. All right. I did not think that this was a competitive fight. But there are people out there who thought Mikey Garcia was in a very close fight, possibly even got a gift decision last night against Jesse Vargas. Now, I don't know where you fall on that spectrum. We haven't spoken about the fight. I've made fun of you uh, about other things in that time. I've shared some things from Twitter with you, but we have not talked about the fight. So I'm curious where you fall on the spectrum of evaluating Mikey Garcia's performance from last night. A complete robbery of Jesse Vargas. No, I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, well, you know, Jesse Vargas typical, you know, he's probably going to be able to last go the distance with anyone. He's been in there with some decent people. Uh, I think early Vargas, Vargas was doing, he could, he could have probably gotten some rounds there. Like the, well, the one judge had it like a draw that I don't know about, but uh, Vargas definitely got some rounds early because he was doing enough to be active and sort of, uh, negating because Mikey wasn't really that active at the start. So Vargas is lining some good shots, getting his jab in there, getting some body punches, you know. And then uh, when Mikey had to turn it up, I think he turned it up. You know, I, I think uh, he realized that he had to actually become very active, and that's uh, what he did, and sort of turned the tide. I, I didn't think that this was that competitive. Like, I don't know what people were watching, and I'm willing to consider that maybe I was, you know, maybe some personal bias came into play where I was looking at Mikey and looking for specific things. And I saw Mikey have success that maybe he wasn't having. Like, you know, I, I don't claim to know everything. But in watching this fight, I thought a couple of things were very, very clear about Mikey Garcia. The first one is something that we all know. Like, Mikey is incredibly talented. Like, he really is one of the premier talents in all of boxing. And losing to Spence does not diminish that in any way. Spence has proven himself that he is one hell of a fighter. So, like, even with the loss, like, Mikey, what I was looking to see in this fight was that Mikey was still that elite talent. And what I saw was very much so Mikey Garcia, when he can get into a rhythm like he is an elite fighter. Now, there were a couple of close rounds, and you were, you're absolutely right. Early in the fight, I think Jesse Vargas banked a couple of rounds. And what I think, how I think that happened, and you know, let me know if you disagree with this, but how I saw that was that when Mikey, early in the fight, Mikey was a little tentative. I think he wasn't quite sure if how he was going to respond to Jesse's power, and I think he was very cautious early in that fight to see, or, or really to, to, to not get caught with anything. And I don't know that tentative and cautious is the right word. I think he was actually just being responsible for the fact that he's still a natural 135-pound fighter. And when Jesse stopped, or at least proved to Mikey that maybe he wasn't uh, in any imminent danger, Mikey just started lighting him up. And Jesse was able to land some big shots. And I think the nature of those big shots was not that they were actually huge shots, but more so they were eye-catching because he was just, I don't, I mean, he was just kind of flinging, winging shots 
loading up ridiculous shots as he moved his head away and just threw a, sh- a, a big hook. Like, those were the shots that Jesse landed. Occasionally, his jab would get going, but it would fade out pretty quickly as Mikey, um, you know, started to outbox him. But, like, I I mean, what do you think of my assessment? Uh, I think you might be a little too much on Team Mikey. Okay. I don't, I, don't, I, th- I don't like where you're going with this. Well, of course not, because, you know. You're trying you're to call not- me a Mikey fanboy? Well, you are now. You used The to one that attributed most of the success of Spence Garcia to Spence? And the yeah, one know, who spent but, years know, saying he, that Mikey's now, not that popular. Yeah, but of course, it's like a true fanboy. You, you got to come back and, uh, and overestimate his great wins. I think uh, Mikey showed that he has trouble at welterweight. You know, How? This, it, How? Because, because Jesse Vargas is still clipping him with shots. Vargas just didn't have enough power to put him down. But he took incredible risks to land those shots. Those were high-risk, high-reward type of shots that Jesse landed. They were at awkward angles, and he really sold out on those terrible punches that he was landing. But they're getting in. Okay. So what is going to happen when you get a guy who's better at 147 getting those punches in? A guy who's better than Jesse Vargas isn't going to fight like Jesse Vargas. Jesse Vargas fought like a guy who was there on a prayer and a hope. Because they don't have to. You fight like Errol Spence and you beat fucking Mikey's ass. But but and but, then everyone goes, "How come he didn't knock him out?" But yeah, that's, that's what you want. But that's the difference, though. But Spence just proved like I'm a better boxer than you. Yeah, and Mikey wouldn't come near him. So when Mikey comes to close, and then Jesse Vargas gets his shots in. This is what I'm saying. So at 147, this is going to be Mikey's life against guys like the Jesse Vargas types, who are solid fighters. You know, it's not like you know Jesse Vargas is a bum or anything, but he's a solid fighter. But uh, so he can beat those guys. And then the guys who are better than Jesse Vargas are going to beat up Mikey. So what's going to happen? I don't know that I... I So here's... You can't because you're in shock because you're like, how? No, I see the path path to beating him. I I think the path to beating Mikey is a pretty simple one. If Mikey has a concern about your punching power, he's going to uh, become very tentative in the ring and not want to let his hands go. And rightfully so. That's not like a dumb thing to do he's not gonna let his hands go though and the reason for that is because if he lets his hands go he's gonna get caught with something which is one of the concerns it looked like he had early in that fight and i think he fought the whole spence fight that way where he just could not let his hands go because i I think mikey's a guy who wants things to be perfect and one thing for sure he's not trying to do is get himself knocked out but that's what i'm saying this this is going to be his life at 147 it doesn't have to be but it's gonna be. I don't know. I don't. I'm not here to talk about have to be. So I'm gonna be telling you what's gonna be. No, I, I'm saying that it's that that it. Mikey is not the kind of guy that's gonna have to go through the the gauntlet at 147. Mikey's. Oh yeah, because he's fighting Pacquiao next in Saudi, in Arabia. Saudi Arabia. The yeah, loser gets beheaded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. The, like. Okay. We should probably discuss. There's two things that we should discuss here. Is he going to fight Tevin Farmer next or what? Well, I mean, he wouldn't be tentative there for sure. Uh, you know, any competent... Never mind. Um, <laughs> but Mikey Garcia, is he popular enough that he can get the big fights that he wants? I think that's one question. And the other question is, if that's the case, is there a path for him navigating 147 against fighters um, with which would be lucrative fights and at the same time not really pose the threat to his weaknesses that would you know have him get beat again so first of all i don't think so 
well, let's let's address the first one. Do you think Mikey's popular enough to demand the 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 name brand fights that maybe necessarily aren't the ones sanctioning bodies would be uh, mandating? Uh not not enough to like start dictating to people. You know, Mikey's Mikey's popular, but he's not like more popular than anybody else. You know, because you saw last night, like it, it, they did what they announced eleven thousand. You know, Spence sold that place out against the mandatory. Yeah, you know, I, that's, that's another thing. Jesse Vargas does has, yeah, I mean, not a big name, but he's got some name. He's known. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Ocampo, unknown. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, uh, he's popular, but he's not popular enough to start trying to wade in on his name against everybody else in that division. He's just not. He's not, you know, not going to be saying, I'm going to do it my way. Nah, no nah, one cares. Mikey's a good fighter. Everyone likes Mikey, but... I guess the thing um, that I'm wondering about is like we hear this talk about Manny Pacquiao and Mikey Garcia, and like we've said it in the past. I don't think this is like a, a a controversial take here, but it's a fight that makes sense. Two guys who are on the small end of the spectrum for 147, two guys that match up pretty well. Mikey as as the boxer puncher, Manny as the come forward boxer puncher who's can get overly aggressive. It's a fight that makes sense. But like in terms of Manny Pacquiao's stature in the sport, is he past the point where he would look at a fight like Mikey Garcia as one that he should take? You know, if he's... Uh, okay, as 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 a fight, yeah, that makes sense, that fight. You know, that, that could be a fight Manny wouldn't have a problem with. Yeah. The, 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 the logistics of it is how Eddie Hearn says it's all going to happen because now he's got all the leverage, you know. Because he's got Mikey on a matching deal, so of course he's going to dangle the money for Manny, and then Manny's going to fight in Saudi Arabia, and it'll have to go to zone because PBC can't match Eddie Hearn's backing from the Saudi Arabia. This well, is this is this is why you know uh, uh, Eddie's all over this stuff. Well, that you're you're doing a little experiment in using the logic of that side of the street. Yeah, because I think Eddie Hearn has a. Well, they call it exclusive. I think Eddie Hearn has a date. It has to go by July because he keeps July 11th, July 11th. First, it was going to be Fury Joshua July 11th, you know. So I think he's just got an open date with uh, that one uh, sports branch, which is like part of the, the government, but not really. So I think he's just trying to throw it whatever there he can. And it's not like they're going to accept anyone. They're not going to pay him any money for like – I don't know, Joan O'Carroll or someone to fight there. So that's why he's just trying to make noise to hopefully try to get Manny to demand this fight. You know, that's that's all he's doing. It's Eddie Hearn nonsense. How, how much money do you think that they have to, the General Sports Authority, which is, that's who's giving the money. Let's make no mistake about it. This is a pure Saudi Arabia government move. Yeah. How much money do you think that they'd have to put up such that Manny and Mikey would both be sufficiently pleased with the offer and agree to fight over there. I don't know. You're probably looking at a hundred million. If Manny's going to fight there, that's what he's going to want. See, that's the, the, the important question there is how much would it take for them to go over there? And the reason why is because pay-per-view is far more lucrative than Saudi Arabia unless Saudi Arabia is willing to pay some ridiculous amount because the thing you can't sell with this Saudi Arabia deal that you can with pay-per-view is upside. 
there's no upside to fighting in Saudi Arabia. Nobody watches it. Yeah. No one yeah. watches it. Yeah. Not, you know, pay-per-view, you can do the same number as Saudi Arabia, but make a ton more money because people are paying 70 whatever dollars to watch. Yeah. But Mike is going to want to get paid. He's not going to be like a reason. He's not going to go over there for like $8 million. You know, so. I mean, he got seven to... to fight here in front of a not full crowd <laughs> against Jesse Vargas. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not going to go overseas <laughs> to, to fight for 10. He's going to want to get paid huge. So, yeah, that's a, it's just all it's all this whole nonsense. And we'll see it shake out. And I think the only reason why Joshua and Ruiz went over there is because Ruiz was locked into that rematch. So there wasn't much that they could have done to take the fight elsewhere. If they could have, they would have. Yeah, they already agreed to, uh, as all the guys repeatedly stated and then tried to backtrack when Wilder had the uh, guaranteed third fight. Uh, that there's yeah there's no way that Ruiz could get out of the contract so he like he had he had very little say even though he did get some extra money out of it. How likely do you think it is that they wind up fighting Manny Pacquiao and Mikey Garcia and that it is in Saudi Arabia? Uh, it all depends on because supposedly PBC still has rights to the Manny, which is, you know? which this Manny situation is turning into a very strange. Like, even for boxing situation. It's turning into a Manny Pacquiao situation. Oh, so you do, <laughs> do you want to uh, well, recap Manny's done this Manny Pacquiao's move to Golden Boy? Manny's done this throughout his entire career. Yeah, you know, like Manny's done this his entire career. When, uh, who was it, Samson brought him over, they had to have a lawsuit to get him pried away from his former manager. Then I think with Top Rag, took him from Samson, there was a bit of a lawsuit. Then uh, the infamous time when Manny signed with Golden Boy, when he was still, you know, under supposedly contract with Top Rank, although I think it was just an option. So I don't know. It's like, yeah, Manny's always found his way into complete nonsense, you know. And like he's always had this air of confusion about what the hell he's doing. Like yeah, if yeah, you remember, yeah, Michael yeah. Conge was always uh, contradicting what Bob Arum was saying. Yeah, the, the 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 poor naive Manny who's just from the streets that doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> and everything was always up to his promoter, but yeah. when his promoter would say something, his advisor Michael Conge at the time would come out and say different things. Yeah, yeah, they're always on different you know schedules. No one knows, but that's because Manny will just go well, I'll side with this guy. And then everybody's like, well, you fucking can't do that. And he's like, eh, you guys will figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what it does. Is you guys will figure it out. Yeah, and, he likes throwing the fucking the hand grenade back in their laps and then walking away. And in the case of like when he signed with Top Rank, then signed with Golden Boy, then had to come back to Top Rank. Like he had to give money back. Like gold, th- that was a lawsuit, and Golden Boy got paid out of it. Yeah, and then they also got uh, rights to his fights. Like they they got they got paid from his pay per views out of that. Right. So yeah, they got they you know obviously he wasn't fighting under their banner. But no. Golden Boy was getting one of the Middendorf deals where it's like, yeah, I'm still taking my cut even if I have nothing to do with this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I discussed this on one of the the Patreon podcasts a while back about how Terrence Crawford has this contract with uh, a promoter who he originally was with. And when he got sold to Top Rank, which this is terrible to say, but they sold his contract to Top Rank, um, the guy basically kept this clause about it that he's still getting paid off of Terrence Crawford's deals and what he's making on these fights. 
And I think yeah, boxing like, is ripe with it, or is rife the yeah, word? There's a ton of, yeah, yeah ripe. Yeah, ripe. Ripe, ripe, whatever. Ripe. There's yeah. a ton of this stuff going on in boxing, and Jaron Ennis is involved in something like this right now. Or yeah. at least he could be. Same guy, too, with the Terrence Crawford deal with with, um, with Ennis. But This is why guys like working with Al Heyman, because he, he, he does his best to make sure they don't fall into these kinds of traps, you know, where everybody's no one knows who's running the show and they sign all these other deals giving up rights and everything it's all nonsense yeah and, and like, yeah, uh, to, to the main question how would this happen money that's you know and that's the i think eddie hearn sort of trying to will himself into the picture through this mikey garcia thing and we'll see if it happens no you never know what happens in boxing you, you can't see definitively something's not going to happen what percent would you say you're confident that Mikey Garcia and Manny Pacquiao are going to fight next and it'll be in Saudi Arabia? I'd, I'd give it like a 20. 20? I think yeah, that's pretty low. I'm, I know, but I'm not going to say that it, it's going to happen or not because everybody with uh, the PBC side says Manny's not free. Audi Attar says he is free, you know, maybe because that's what Manny told him. What do you know they, about never- uh, Attar? You no, know, you have more of a background with MMA. You've probably, although I've just, done my research, but is there anything that you know about him that maybe no, a boxing just a manager fan of, uh, just a manager of Conor McGregor. So I think he's got some other fighters too, but that's his big client is Conor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did research on him too. When, when Manny had signed just to see, you know, is, is, is he, you know, a, a scumbag? Is he a slime? Like, oh, uh, he's, he's not a scumbag. Like, and, and I didn't find anything bang. like that. No, no, he's just another guy, but I don't think he's as big as everyone tries to portray him as. No. Because you know? he has Connor, they try to make him out like some kind of savant or something. You know, he's just a, another manager. I was expecting to see uh, read stories like, um, who's the UFC manager that's just like, should not even be licensed? Ali? That's Ali Abdelaziz, yeah. Yeah, like, like I, I was expecting to read some stuff like that because no, no, to no. me, if you're a manager... Yeah. In the UFC, first of all, you're completely useless. Yeah. <laughs> and and looking at the contracts of UFC fighters, if you're a manager and you represent U- UFC fighters, you really need to be fired. And you probably if should never manager, manage another fighter uh, again because clearly you're incompetent looking at the pay structure of the UFC that you would advise somebody who you represent their best interests and those guys don't get paid more than Leo Santa Cruz's opponents. Yeah, like uh, uh, that Ali guy, he actually made a statement of defense for the UFC saying fighters shouldn't know what other fighters make. So yeah. that, that that's that's oppressive. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's really, but he's got a lot of power, though. But that's another whole. that that that's wild to me that he would come out and defend. Uh, it's it's like it would be like Scott Boris coming out and saying that we should support the owners and not paying players mm-hmm. what they're worth. Essentially it. Because that's not what the role of a manager is supposed to do. The manager is supposed to be like against the owner to extract as much money as possible for their clients. No, all these talk fighters are taking pay cuts to get championship belts shots. So. What, what do you think of, of managers who um, tell fighters to take pay cuts in order <laughs> to get their other fighters that they manage dates? <laughs> you get a new manager. But yeah. MMA guys are screwed. It doesn't matter. And the UFC's going to pay him whatever the fuck UFC wants to pay him. And no one ever gets another dime out of him. You know, even Connor, for as much as big as he's talking, you know, I want ownership stakes. I want this. I want that. 
you know, he's back fighting for him. So yeah, he, he, he got he, a bit more money. Well, that's no, that, that's because the Irish yeah. mafia threatened his life, <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Maybe, maybe that old guy uh, who we punched in the head at that bar. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He he <laughs> hired Ronnie Pickering. <laughs> I think they're different countries. <laughs> I think we're going away. We're going way Yeah, we're supposed to be talking right about now. many in Saudi Arabia. So I think it's 50-50 right now because as much as all the, the, the PBC side is coming out and saying like, hey, we, we're, we got Manny locked up. You know, I've learned over following Manny Pacquiao's career, and you alluded to this, this is par for the course for Manny Pacquiao. Like, it has been, there have been so many times in, in over the course of Manny's career that I've thought one thing is going to happen and something completely different does. When they talked about Manny fighting in Macau, you know, I always thought that that was just a pipe dream. You know, when Manny first uh, tried to sign with Golden Boy and then came back, like around that time is when they started talking. Like, Bob has been fascinated with China for a very long time. And even back then, there was discussion. And it, what, what was this, like 2008 maybe? It was before the third Morales fight, I believe. It was, it was around the second or third Morales fight. And um, even back then, they were talking about taking Manny to Macau. And that's because the U.S. is going to shit. That's when the recession was hit. Yeah, well, I look how long it took for them to go to Macau. I thought that this was just all nonsense. You know, obviously, Bob loves to, and he's very smart at knowing how to negotiate and use things, you know, Macau and China and all these other places as leverage. Mongolia, but still fight in the U.S. And Manny had fought for the U.S. for a long time. And then ultimately, we did see him go to Macau, albeit after a loss. But he did finally get out there. And so that led me to believe, like, I I don't know what Manny's going to agree to. And so I don't, like, I am not confident whatsoever. I was very confident a couple months ago that Manny was going to fight Spence on pay-per-view. That would be next. But I don't know at this point. I could for sure see Manny Pacquiao fighting over in Saudi Arabia because that would be very on brand for Manny Pacquiao's entire career, which is have a lot of people in your ear, do things that don't make sense, do things that may be in breach of contract, but you know what? Do it because you have nine cooks in the kitchen. And really that's what this comes down to is Manny Pacquiao has this like compulsion to have as many people as possible be involved in the decision-making of his career. Yeah, it's kind of a gong show. It, yes, you see, so the, the dumb thing I've seen is people go, well, it's because of the taxes that he doesn't like. No. It, it, <laughs> his taxes are taken care of. No. Like, but no, it, he still has to pay taxes in the Philippines if he's not getting taxed outside. The thing was he wasn't paying taxes in either place. So when the U.S. is assessing taxes, because they have a tax treaty, you can't go, well, you know, it's no, you earn that money in the U.S. And then he was saying, well, I, he wasn't paying it in the Philippines either. So when people say, well, he wants to fight in Saudi Arabia, so he doesn't have to pay taxes. He still has to pay over like 35% that's their top rate in the Philippines. So it's not going to matter him where the fuck he fights. He's still going to get taxed. It's just, Manny just wants a lot of money because he wants that yacht. He wants to, well, well, he, he has read a 300-person entourage. Yeah, ESPN just did an article on him that just basically, which everyone knows how much money Manny hands out. It's not because, oh, Manny's a man of the people. No, that's, you're essentially buying your votes to, to be in politics in the Philippines. You know, and that's all he's doing. And that costs a lot of money. 
So that's why he's still fighting, and that's why he's he's this is probably the only thing to get him there to Saudi Arabia is by paying him a shitload of money. So who knows? So yeah, but I just say it's twenty percent just because uh, only just because how hard Hearn is working this angle, you know, how how hard he's working it is the reason why I I don't think he it's a strong position as he's saying it. Because when 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 do you hear whenever promoters talk a lot about something, it's usually when it's all bullshit. <laughs> and so when Eddie talks hard about something, uh, yeah, just like Bob, you know, it, the odds are it's probably not true, and they they got no. They're just hoping that if they keep saying it, someone you know, some magic lever will come down and, and pressure someone into the fight. So so that's that's why that's why I only went with uh, But again, like you said, I believe it because Manny's you know insane. So. His career will go like whatever. It's always been bizarre. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know why Manny would have signed with this paradigm sports people. Um, And the reason why, even if there's some opportunities for him that they can get him, I don't know why you would want your money split another way. You know, he just had this long-term deal with top rank where they were taking a, a pretty large percentage of his purse uh, in like the 30 something percent, he goes with PBC, which we all know we're all well aware of the fact that those guys get paid more because there's less of a cut to a promoter. And, um, you would think that Manny seeing that he'd want to stick with that. And, and we're not saying that that's not the case that he's like, not, you know, it's very likely also that he could just fight Spence in his next fight on PBC, or you could even fight Mikey Garcia there. Yeah. But no you know, just a, a real strange move from Mikey Garcia. Or sorry, not Mikey Garcia, Manny Pacquiao. Um, but back to Mikey, though. You know, if we look at the the, the top guys at welterweight, um, we know he doesn't beat Spence because we saw Spence beat him. But, like, are there any other fights other than Manny Pacquiao that intrigue you for Mikey at welterweight? Uh, not intriguing, no. No. I just, I don't know. Like I said, I just, I just see him uh, getting beat by any of the top dudes and uh, beating some of the lower rank guys. Um, do you think that Mikey has a shot at beating Amir Khan? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Cause if I'm Mikey Garcia and I can't get Manny Pacquiao for whatever reason, <laughs> he's going to fight Amir Khan for what? 20 bucks. <laughs> Dude. People are going to buy that Palace. fight. People will buy it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like people bought Crawford versus God. I don't know that that, like, that would do a huge number on Fox if they could get Mikey and Khan. What, what is with you today, man? You're just like fucking crazy. No, I, I'm crazy in a good way. You can't tell me that what I just said is a ridiculous idea. I'm looking yes, at. Yes, I can tell you. No, it's fucking over. No one gives a shit about God. No, people will watch. If I told you, hey, Amir Khan's probably gonna get knocked out tonight. You're gonna be like, where? I'm there. No, they wouldn't. I, I said you. I would not give a shit about seeing Amir Khan get knocked out again. Yes, you would. No, I wouldn't. I, I didn't give a shit about Crawford doing it. Don't even watch that fight. You, you're the one that asserts every time that Khan lost to Crawford off of a low blow. Well, the, but that's true. Crawford was so scared of him. He had to punch him in the dick just I, to win. I think, look, I am very imaginative did you watch, with matchmaking. Did you watch, 
Do you remember that Amir Khan fought Billy Did in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, of course I do. Uh, no, no, no. I bet, I bet you fucking forgot that. No, I, I mean, obviously I remember that. I, if you would have said name Amir Khan's last fight, I probably wouldn't have said Billy Dib in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but yeah, I should have made something up then. I should have tricked you. I mean, you you certainly could have, but yeah, yeah, because no one fucking remembers it. L- let me tell you, dude, Billy Dib, that that fight, Amir Khan versus Billy Dib, right? Which you you want to bring up? <laughs> now you're making something up now. That fight was for the WBC international welterweight title. Welterweight title, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's just and like the... Mikey Garcia just <laughs> fought the, for the WBC belt. diamond. So they got a Diamond. So that makes Amir Khan the number one contender. You know what I'm saying? Where was How come no one was complaining about uh, this uh, diamond belt? You know what? People are very selective on when they want to care about titles. People are very selective when they want to care about a lot of things. Oh, and oh. so do they just choose not to care whenever Eddie Hearn puts a card on his streaming service? Because, you know, I don't see, see a lot of discussion on it on Reddit or so, social media, but oh, that's no, neither here nor there. <laughs> Some people are convinced that this fight card last weekend was the greatest fight card possibly. In no, the I don't care about the fight card, though. I'm trying to tell you something. I don't want to hear it. Amir Khan... And I was Mikey with you Garcia until you talking fucking Amir is, Khan versus Mikey Garcia. That's dude. No, that is a great fight that. to make for welterweight. Let's be real here. M- <laughs> yeah, Mikey's not going to beat the top guys at welterweight. So who are the matchups that Mikey could have at welterweight that are going to be quote unquote events? John Molina. Then let's fucking put him. Dude, in John Molina's got a broken back. Relax, okay? <laughs> John Molina's got a broken back. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. John Molina looks. Who else has retired in the last two years? Well, Amir Khan fought within the last 12 months. So What about Brandon Rios versus Mikey Garcia? Th- th- too close. It's too close. They're, oh, but think of the drama because they're both trained by Robert Garcia. Okay, we Robert Garcia's camp, they don't like drama. How do we know this? Because Brandon Rios never got to fight Victor Ortiz. Which sh- PBC, make that happen. Someone, I don't care who, I make that fight happen. <laughs> Ortiz is too far We gone, need so. to get closure on Victor Ortiz threatening Brandon Rios' life. You remember all this, right? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately I do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you're not on board with this. This is a great fight. I, I'm really I just, disappointed just, that you don't like it. I, just, I don't know. I'm just, I, I can't entertain it because it's just I'm not embracing the stupidity. This feels oh my, like this is boxing. This is this is what makes boxing yeah, then, what okay, it is. Yeah, there's, there's being stupid, then there's just being stupid. <laughs> Don't I sound like a promoter? Yeah, you do. That's why I'm fucking getting annoyed. Sound like fucking idiot. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. I think that this is a great idea. I really do. If Mikey can't fight Manny Pacquiao, I think you fight Amir Khan. You tell tell me that that Eddie Hearn's not going to convince John Skipper to give him fifteen million dollars for this fight. Tell me that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. It's, dude, it is going to happen. These people are are incompetent. Okay, they're going to pay a lot of money for this fight, and so therefore, I think you like if you're Mikey Garcia, what do you want to do? You want to go get bullied by Sean Porter? You want Ugas to knock you out? He's not, he's not going back to PBC. He's with the Zone now. He's dude, with the winners. There's probably he's probably not. Like, do you think Mikey? 
another fight that's not going to happen, okay? But you think Mikey could beat Jose Cito Lopez? Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about this. I don't know that Mikey could beat Jose Cito Lopez because Jose Cito is like, like he's a big guy for welterweight. Like he's a yeah, but he's getting old. Okay, I, I, Mikey Garcia is too, and he, well, technically, I was about to say Jose Cito Lopez has never gotten like just battered by Spence, yeah. but technically Jose Cito Lopez has been battered by quite a few guys. Yeah, I know that's why. So maybe that wasn't the the best one to bring up, but I don't know. I, I don't. Do you think Mikey would get dropped by the Mean Machine? <laughs> well, if he could drop Crawford, I'm pretty sure he could catch Mikey. Real talk, okay? Do you think Mikey has a shot against Crawford? Uh, yeah. Why not? You're, that's ridiculous. Like I, I asked you that because that I, yeah, you, I don't know how, but you really don't like Crawford, and I don't understand this. No, I just don't think he's the greatest thing ever. I didn't say he was the greatest thing ever, but he's one of the best welterweights in the world. Is he one of the best welterweights? Well, let's hear your case because clearly you you feel some type of way. I think he's like, who's he fought at welterweight? Amir Khan. <laughs> what about Regis Pregarius? Uh, Pregarius has barely never, never fought lost. anybody at 147, first yeah. of all, as far as I know. Who'd he beat? Pregarius? No, Crawford. He's beat Amir Khan, Mean Machine, Jeff Horn. Or Joe Horn, whatever his name is. Jeff Horn. I know it's Jeff. Uh, that, that's who Crawford's beat at welterweight. Who's Spence beat? What about Chris Algieri? No, Crawford has not beat Chris Algieri. He never did better than Chris Algieri. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think Mikey Garcia is going to have a very interesting next 12 months. Because I think... I mean, shit. He should fight Pacquiao and Khan. That's probably the best move for him. Fight Khan first. Knock out Khan. You know he's a knockout con. Yeah, then you'll get on that big hype train. They're like, holy shit, you see what he did to con? Even Crawford couldn't knock him out like this. Yeah. By the way, I just want to want to point out that Mikey Garcia is only one year younger than Amir Khan. Yeah, but he seems a lot younger. Probably because... Uh, he's got a baby face. Yeah, no, probably just because, you know... He's uh, never gotten uh, knocked we, out. Yeah, we saw Amir Khan get his ass kicked in his, his late 20s. Early twenties too. And his early twenties, <laughs> and his early thirties. It's crazy, like how how many years adds onto your career. You think Mikey could beat uh, Omar Figueroa? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're advising Mikey, what do you tell him to do next? Oh, well, I'm taking the Pacquiao fight because it's already done. And uh, what side of the street do you do it on? Well, you do it in the zone because they're going to get you seventy million dollars to fight in Saudi Arabia. You think they're gonna get that would be less than they paid for Joshua Ruiz? You no, really that that's just for Mikey. <laughs> Hundred million for Pacquiao, <laughs> seventy million for Mikey. I I hope nobody takes this podcast seriously because it's gonna be ten it's million clear that we are like you're just mocking uh, these guys. You think that Manny Pacquiao... Someone has to fucking mock Eddie Hearn. Jesus Christ, the media was up his fucking... Or he was up their ass. Like, guys, the, the, like you can't push back to a promoter. When, don't be a fucking it's hard to butt. push back when they fly you out to cover fights. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the problem. And then Error. put you in folding chairs that break. <laughs> but like you said, you said this on Twitter, and I think it was very, very, very appropriate, is that people complained about the Wilder Fury uh, rematch card and all that because the food sucked. Yeah. 
you know, they, they, they served us chicken tenders and nachos and hot dogs yeah. and, uh, uh, taquitos and, <laughs> you know, people weren't happy about that. Yeah, no, they want that Eddie Hearn steak. Oh, and it was also a long walk to get there. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there it was in the go. Chinese restaurant, which, <laughs> yeah, which is like, you have to leave the MGM grand walk out, turn right, walk down, uh, the, I don't know. What do you even call that part of the casino? The mall? Yeah. It's like a mall. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Well, no, we saw this. Anyone who watched the fight saw this because this is what they were showing when uh, Fandora was fighting. <laughs> it was Deontay Wilder walking through the entire MGM casino. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, they, they had, that's why they were so salty because those guys go, oh, my God, we don't want to walk again. Because you could take a look at most of the boxing riders and those guys, they, they ain't going to like walking more than 10 feet. Yeah. All right. So I, I let, let's talk about the undercard. Okay. What? Yeah. I, okay. Go. So I, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on the Califi Roman Gonzalez fight. Come on. <laughs> Come on. They're, 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 Califi is terrible. First of all. Okay. He's terrible. All right. Go on. Let's let's see where, you, where you're going Gonzalez with this. Roman Gonzalez is terrible. I don't think it's 115 fight. Okay. Who gives a fuck? You, but these 115 fights. This this is this is where. Boxing nerds diverge so hard with actually anybody who buys a ticket in boxing. Because these guys are so up the ass that this is the greatest fight in the world. If you ever watch Cal Yafai fight, he's not that good. And they're Chocolatito's back. <laughs> this this is his career. No, like, this was the Miguel Cotto good. beating Delvin Rodriguez fight where he won with the body shot. So everyone thought he was back and Freddie Roach had reinvented him. Yeah, he just—he just this is what his career was, just beating up guys that aren't very good. That's what you get at one fifteen, one twelve, one eighteen. You got one guy who's—he's uh, an okay fighter, and then he's fighting a bunch of just guys who aren't—they're they're tiny. They, they're not throwing bombs. They're just tiny. Most of these guys have no defense. And this is what weird about the fight. I'd rather talk more about the the, the fight before with Martinez, with Brian Kenny just losing his fucking mind, you know, in commentary. About how this is like one of the, it's just such a moment in boxing that we're witnessing. It's a bunch of dudes who have no defense, punch each other in the head, then one of them falls down. You know, that's what these divisions are. And then these guys go, oh, these guys are, this is where the real talent lies. They're little tiny little leprechauns. Of course, they can throw a bunch of punches. They don't weigh anything. You ever see kids, how much energy they got? Because <laughs> they only weigh like 80 pounds. They can move around a lot. I ain't gonna, I don't know. They're all right. But for, I don't know, people are just like, this is, uh, no one gives a shit. You know, Superfly. This is, this is how HBO went out of boxing, was by focusing on the Superfly division. This has actually ended the longest television, you know, program on boxing was focusing on these divisions. And people go, oh, this is, you know, this is what, this is real boxing. First of all. You were right. You know, I, I don't know that I agree with you. I, I agree with portions of what you're saying. I think, for the most part, the lighter weight classes have had very low visibility in boxing. And a huge... No, no, no. There's a subset of fans that will use the lighter weight classes and their appreciation of it. And look, that's fine. You can enjoy it. I'm not saying not to enjoy it. But they use that as their way to somehow prove that they know more about boxing than than you that they that they appreciate boxing more than yeah, you because their positions their positions will never be challenged 
Sure, well, because you can't challenge them because these divisions historically have not had the visibility that one would expect. And like, look, how do I know this? Because I've been there. I've been that guy who's followed the lower weight classes and did it because I'm a hipster. And now, you know, I've watched them enough. I still enjoy them. I still watch them. I I don't feel the same way that you do about the the lower weight classes. But at the same time, I'm also not going to be pretentious about it. And I'm not going to sit here and say Roman Gonzalez is a much greater talent than literally any fighter that appears, you know, ranked in the top 20 pound for pound, because I don't believe that that's the case. And furthermore, like a guy like Cal Yafai, who you said is not good, that's 100% the truth. That's Cal Yafai is not a good fighter. And like, he's okay, but he's not like some elite fighter. He's not a guy where I'm looking at this win over by Roman Gonzalez and saying, well, that was really something. But Cal Yafai would be the equivalent of a paper champion in any other division. And you would not give a guy like Sean Porter, who's coming off of a loss to Spence, you would not give him any credit if he beat Jamal James. You wouldn't say much about him. You'd say, well, Sean Porter, yeah, he beat Jamal James, but that was expected. Jamal James, not quite at that level of the elite welterweights. We believe he's on his, well, you know, he's, he's doing good right now. There are good things that he's doing, but he ain't there yet. And that's what Cal Yafai is. Cal Yafai is a guy coming in. He doesn't appear to be an elite fighter. And you can see in the fight, like he, like Gonzalez didn't have much to deal with, with Cal Yafai. Cal was throwing a one-two every now and then, couldn't put punches together, and gassed out in like five rounds. The commentary was wondering where his great technical balking skills were. Why is he it's, fighting this fight? <laughs> it's he's interesting. Good? Interesting that that commentary team was confused about where Cal Yafai's brilliant boxing technique went and... It's like they didn't learn their lesson from the Tevin Farmer fight because the same thing with Tevin Farmer. Where did the great technical um, ability of Tevin Farmer go? Pernell Whitaker, reborn, somehow forgot how to move his head when he's in against a guy who's like slightly better than him. <laughs> oh, yeah, that counter is terrible. I just, I don't it's just horrible. I mean, we, it seems like we talk about this. Anytime Brian Kenny's on commentary, Brian Kem- Kenny is terrible. I don't know yeah. why Fox thought to Adam. I thought, you know, I had accepted that I'm going to have to listen I'm to him. I'm hoping that's because Chris Myers is on the XFL. Uh, what about Kenny Albert? What is he doing right now? I think he's on football too. On the XFL? I don't think so. Yeah, I haven't I heard him calling any Fox. games. I'm hoping. <laughs> No, I don't even think they're. No, I don't think they're calling. I I know, I do know Chris Myers is doing the Westminster Dog Show. Well, yeah, he does that. Uh, that's that's big. That's big time. I think it does better ratings in boxing, by the way. But let's, yeah, does, let's yeah. all let's all uh, I, ignore I that for a sec. That's big time. And, Wait, what? Uh, I ain't saying. Uh, I'm, I wasn't joking when I said. Uh, okay, but who doesn't want to watch like a, a cute golden retriever prancing around over Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas? I mean. Let's be real here. More more Americans love uh, watching Golden Retrievers than 112 pound fighters. Yeah. But I, so let, let's let's talk about Gonzalez though, because you know Gonzalez at one point was one of the top guys uh, at the lower weight classes, and and he even encroached into the conversation of top fighters in the world. Period, regardless of weight. So, what did you think of his performance? Uh, who is this again, sir? What? 
how what did you think of Gonzalez's performance? I don't care. I'm sorry. You got like the raw. You got the guy, you got the worst guy to talk about this. I never I never liked him when he was a, like the big hype machine. I, I I only liked him when he got knocked out. And uh, I don't really care about him. I, I I can't judge these guys at all because I I think they're overhyped. I think their skill isn't that good. And I just I don't care about them. I'm just being honest. Yeah. Um. It's I mean, no, that's me. fair. I, I wanted to get how you feel about them. And, um, you know, what you're saying flies in the face of the videos, the Lee Wiley videos that Jim Lampley cried about, talking about Roman Gonzalez's skill. Now, I think Roman is a good fighter. I think you don't get to 48-0 or whatever the hell he was without being somewhat competent. I think one thing that doesn't get talked about enough with Roman Gonzalez is the fact that he was able to rehydrate pretty well and use his weight to his advantage. Yeah. Like he uh, probably comes in same weight as uh, Gary Russell Jr. And that is a skill in and of itself at these lower weight classes. Yeah. And sometimes it's a bigger skill than even just being a great technical boxer. And if you want a, a really good example of this, um, you want to get your hipster on, go and look at Yvonne Calderon and Giovanni Segura. That was a fight that was probably like 2012, and um, or maybe it was a little earlier than that, maybe 2011. Yvonne Calderon was a great smaller weight class fighter. One of the few fighters who fought south of 126 who was purely defensive, and like a lot of their 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 game was about being defensive, and you don't see a lot of these guys do that. You know, I, I I've watched a lot of smaller weight class guys. These guys, defense is usually not the first thing on their mind. And Calderon was like that. And he was seen as like the, the the flyweight, Floyd, you know, whatever. And Segura just came in and was like, you could tell Segura was like way bigger. Um, and he just bulldozed him. Like there was nothing Calderon could have done in that fight. He just got bulldozed by a guy who was way bigger than him. Uh, and, and that was the skill of like being able to blow up and wait um, and use it to your advantage. And anyway, that's part of what has had Gonzalez appear to be the monster that he is, is the dude he throws a lot of punches and because he's got some size on him, uh, those eventually, you know, it, it wears on guys. And so I, I, I'm not confident like Gonzalez to me, this looks like a fool's gold type of performance where you think he's ready to get right back in with the dogs of the division and it's just going to end terribly for him again. Um, he just looks like a guy that's still, uh, I, I think John David Jackson said this about Sergey Kovalev where he's a front runner where he's great when he's in the lead, but the moment he falls behind, he feels sorry for himself and uh, he just falls apart. And I yeah, think he can't pull through. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Gonzalez is. And, I you can kind of get it about him even if you just watch him in the ring and how he is with the opponents that he has. I I, I think he's the kind of guy he's got some skills. He's, you know, he's definitely not I, I, I he's accomplished what he's accomplished in, in his career is what I'm trying to say. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but at this point you factor in the age. Yeah, you factor in his, his age which, you know, is a old for 115. Um, and I, I just don't see this ending well for Gonzalez, and really it doesn't at this weight class. Like, all these guys, um, 
south of 126, they don't usually get second chances. I mean, they do, but almost always your second chance is going to end terribly. Yeah, yeah, they. Uh, that is a true what I know about this weight class. It's just I'm overly dismissive because, uh, like I said, uh, Calify isn't good. For and, you know, I usually don't watch these weight classes at all. I watch him enough to know he's not. So if he gets his ass beat, I'm not going to say the other guys like you know reinvigorate himself because I know Calify is not a good fighter. So it's like I can't judge that at all, and then that's the problem I have with this division, all these divisions, because I know it's so shallow. And a lot of these just guys just aren't good. So, of course, you can look like a genius if you're a good fighter against anyone. Like, you want a hockey analogy, you know, when I used to follow hockey. You'll see, like, when they have guys like the bruisers on the old NHL team. You could take these guys who are, like, you know, their only job, they're, they're weeding them out of the game now. Their only job was to scrap, really, and sort of just play enough defense, you know, not to give up goals. And people say, oh, they're not that talented. You take them and you put them against a level below. These guys look like geniuses with the puck. You know, a lot of bruisers are even great scorers, you know, at the lower levels. That's because they're, you know, <laughs> there the talent level is a lot worse. And that's what I see from these weight divisions. Guys who are like good fighters can look like geniuses because they're going up against the guys who aren't good at all. And so that's why I can't get into this weight division at all, man. Just, just can't. Yeah, I can't. Um, anything you want to say about the Martinez and Harris fight? Uh, Brian Kenny uh, just annoyed the living shit out of me. See, there's another one where it's just guys throwing a lot of punches until one of them can't take it anymore. Their defense is just bad. You know, like, like if you say Martinez is some great fighter, he's getting clipped by a dude who works at like an Amazon, you know, fulfillment warehouse. <laughs> like clean shots, you're getting clip, 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 clip all the time. You know, it's like that's 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 why I see these divisions. It's just like a guy's and people love him, but it's just it's just dudes punching each other until one can't take it anymore. You know, because the other guy's a little bit stronger than him, but neither one of them really shown any great defense. So I don't I don't get it. The defense is part of boxing. Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, I I didn't see the hype with this uh, card. Um, it was a good card, but I I don't. See- there are people on Twitter that I saw were saying like this is like the greatest card of all time yeah, and all this stuff. Just, I don't what, see it. What? You're insane. It's just I think that it was a good card and there were three mm-hmm. solid matchups, but the rest of the matchups were really, really terrible. Um and look, that's fine. That's good enough. Not good enough to be the best, but it's good enough. You know, there were there were two recognizable fighters in the main event and co main event in Mikey and Roman Gonzalez. And then Martinez versus Harris is a solid matchup in terms of like, yeah, you got two guys who are, you know, their records are good. There's a world title on the line, etc. Cool. But I mean, I didn't see it as like this amazing card. You know, Lou DeBella is going out of his way. Um, just really trying to be as stupid as he possibly can on Twitter and saying yeah. that this is the standard and, you know, everyone should be ashamed of themselves for not putting on cards like this. This is oh, really, really Lou trying to kiss ass or something. Yeah, and this is the thing. If if this was such a great matchup that all of boxing loves, why were the tickets so cheap to get into this thing? And why didn't it sell out? No, I mean, look, that's that's a very shrewd way of thinking about it. But, you know, ticket sales, gate, viewership, those are all quantifiable metrics we could use to determine what the population of boxing fans and casual sports fans want to see. 
And if we use those yeah, metrics, not fucking flyweights. It's well, we we definitely could go back and look at HBO's move, and it says like, hey, it's not women's boxing, and it's not flyweights. Yeah, and it's probably not Dimitri Bivol either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's Canelo it's just, for sure. Yeah, it's Canelo. But it's it's Canelo. it's not any of these things that we're seeing here. Obvi- obviously, you know, Canelo's like, yes, duh. But um. Joseph Parker against a 39-year-old dude. Oh, God. Who weighs in just a nick over 200 pounds and still takes five rounds to stop him? Well, Parker had that spider bite he had to recover from. Oh, okay. So that was the card. Let's talk about Deontay Wilder saying he wants that trilogy. He's exercised the rematch clause. We're looking at a July uh, fight to settle the score. Actually, the score is not going to be settled. Um, it's O, or I mean, it's it's one win for Fury, a draw. A draw. And if Wilder wins, we likely get a fourth. If not Fury wins, do another trilogy. To well, even it out. damn, you you really you really put your Bob Arum on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what do you think? Smart move. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Of course he's going to do the trilogy, you know? Now, you said something earlier that we should probably talk about. I say a lot of things. You were saying something about how Andy Ruiz had this rematch clause and uh, that he had no leverage and he couldn't get out of not giving Anthony Joshua his rematch. But then... That doesn't seem to be the same energy we're hearing for Deontay Wilder's rematch clause. So, well, uh, yeah, could you go through that? Well, that that's so hilarious, eh? So, you saw that uh, it's all, yeah, yeah. Andy Ruiz has no choice; he has no options. You know, he's locked into that contract; he can't do anything. You know, every everyone was sort of like smirking there if he can't do that in Twitterverse to uh, to, to to repeatedly point out that Andy Ruiz had no options in this. And before this fight, like I think I said this on one of the either the after post fight or the next day thing, it's like before the fight, everyone was making it very clear that this was going to be a trilogy no matter what, because the loser had a rematch clause. Then when Fury won, guys are talking like, "Well, maybe it won't be." It's like, "What do you mean? He's he's locked in. It's a sixty forty split." And people are going, "Oh, well, you know, God, Wilder's going to take such a financial hit." It's only 10% less than the last fight. You know, you're never going to get Fury again at a 60-40 split unless you do it now. It's not like he's going to go, oh, yeah, Deontay, you know, I'm going to be generous and give you 40% when I've knocked you out. It's just, yeah, of course. Wilder wants his belt back. He wants a shot at his belt back. So, of course, they're going to do it. I, I think also one factor here is that Wilder has enough reasons. And look. I already know where your mind is going to go, listener. So don't do anything. Don't you have to listen to what I'm about to say? Like, um, you know, you want to empathize with it. I think Deontay Wilder, in his mind, has enough reasons to believe that there were factors that contributed to his performance in in the fight that just happened. That if things, if those things weren't there. It would be a completely different fight. And you can say that that's true. You could agree with it, disagree with it. I don't care. But one thing that you cannot do is dispute that in Wilder's mind, that seems to be very logical that he would feel that way. 
And so the rematch, which, you know, you could feel however you feel about it, whether you think uh, it'll go differently, whether it will, whether it won't, I don't care. But for Wilder, you could see the logic that he would use and apply to justify exercising the rematch clause. Because, I mean, there's a, I could see a point of view where you say to me, well, I don't see this going any differently. Like, even if Wilder doesn't get stopped, even if Wilder never gets hurt in the fight, he still showed that he's very capable of being outboxed and thoroughly outboxed. So he would have to land the power shot in order to knock out Fury. And Fury looks like he's figured something out where he's not going to get himself knocked out. And if that's your take, you're probably close to being, or I don't know, you're, I would say very close to being of sound mind. That makes a lot of sense. But as somebody who fights, I'm not saying that I do, but for Wilder, for any fighter who fights for a living, that's how they make their money. That's that's their what they do in life. I can totally see the justification from Wilder's side uh, of why he would do the rematch. Not to mention, there's a ton of money on the line there. You know, six forty percent of another pay per view that does. I don't know. Th- this one is probably not going to be as successful. I doubt it does eight hundred thousand. Um, I don't think we'll see the same level of marketing push, especially because the fight will be in July. Where I mean, what are they going to advertise on baseball? You've seen Fox's ratings for baseball. Um, I mean, they're good, but they're not great. Um, what's happening in ESPN at that time? You know, nothing. What What's happening in July? The NBA Finals are over. Nothing. So well, here's here's some more comedy. During fight week, when Aaron was talking. He said, oh, if we do the third one, maybe we could do it in October because then we could get the NFL involved. And then now that he won, he's like, ah, it's just happening in July. Yeah. Because <laughs> they want to move on. Yeah. They're like, oh, we, we, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to get away from this thing as fast as they can. It's just funny. It's just like, God damn. So, and this so, is the problem with the writers being so far up the fucking asses of these promoters, you know. As soon as things change for the better for these promoters, they 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 write the complete opposite. Well, I feel like we're the only ones pointing out the contradictions from the people who cover the sport as well as That's the people who – and, and look, I, I mean, I'm not trying to toot our own horn here. And there are certainly other accounts on Twitter that you could follow that will give you at least this perspective. But, like, I feel like nobody's really pointing out that Aram is pretty contradictory with the things that he said. And and for me, um, why I think it's egregious the way Aram has changed his tune is because Aram, the his language before the fight was very much. It, it sounded like he didn't think Fury was going to win, and I think that that's crazy, because to me, like it was very likely that Fury was winning that fight. I mean. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They, they, like the ESPN side was like sort of hedging all their bets, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 100% fair to put put it that way. So yeah, it just it's just like come on, guys. Uh, but yeah, of course they're gonna do the fight again. Why not? Like <laughs> it doesn't. That's a 16, almost 17 million dollar gate. Uh, it's got closed circuit. It does good pay per view, and then people are like, ah, oh, we don't need to see it anymore. We don't need to see a third one. <laughs> what? 
What no, not? well, who are the people saying that they don't they don't need to see a third one? Yeah, all these guys from the UK and everything. The the reason why I I 100% am behind a third fight is because these kind of fights are good for boxing. I've said this before, and I'm going to repeat myself, and I hate to do this because I noticed that Max, you know, well, I, I you know, Max used to do the the LA drive time radio here. So Monday through Friday, Max was on the radio here in LA. And um, one of the things I noticed listening to him for the, the years that he was here is that he really only has like eight takes and he just repeats them all the time. And you'll, even if you watch first take every day, you hear Max repeat himself all the time. You know, I'm not going to talk about one of his takes, which is, uh, you know, a, perhaps <laughs> a, a racist take about why people of a particular color are more athletic. I, I, I don't know if he's retired this. I think he has retired this one. But, you know, I'm not going to say that he's never said something like that. But um, the, the, the take only reason I, I'm a fan of Max, that, that whole thing. Oh, God. You don't even like Max. Shut up. <laughs> um, but one of, one of the takes, at least that I have, which hopefully I don't sound like a broken record here, is pay-per-view events are a way for the public to pay attention to boxing. It's a way for people to um, perk up and figure out what is going on because something significant is happening happening in the world of boxing. Because otherwise, people don't really pay attention. You know, last night's fight between Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas, not super significant, but enough. You know, Mikey Garcia is a name. I don't know that anybody, like any casual sports fans, were aware that Mikey was fighting. And so... Pay-per-views get covered differently from the outlets, the sports outlets, than than regular championship-level fights. I don't even think that this appeared on ESPN's bottom line last night, that Mikey Garcia had beat Jesse Vargas. So, just for that sake of the good of boxing, I do think there, a third fight would be great. And I don't care, you know, what the result is. You can feel however you want, but I think just a big pay-per-view, the heavyweight title on the line... I think for boxing on the whole, it's good. Yeah. And you know it's going to get traction because there's going to be all these goofs. They're going to be, you know, trying to goof on Deontay about his suit, his suit excuse and everything. So, you know, just just for them by being dumb and hating, it's going to get the word around to normal people. Yeah. There's That's, there's a whole bunch of storylines like Fury's yeah. glove thing. You know, I don't oh, want to I, I don't we want to veer off into that. conspiracy theory, okay? But there's oh, videos out there uh, that you can look at on YouTube, and there's this conspiracy about Fury's gloves. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this these conspiracy theories are right, that there's anything to them, but they sure as hell don't look right. We're going to get Tom on the case, and he's going to put together the clips. Yeah, I so I, I've looked at a couple of these videos. I didn't watch them, but I I scrolled through and looked at the images that they used, and like there's enough there that I think we need Tom to show us some actual slow mo clips and just see if anything's wrong because I, I wasn't happy with the clips that these people pulled from the fights. Um, they're terrible quality, probably because they don't want to get their videos pulled from YouTube, but you know what? We don't care. Yeah. So, but that but we're saying selectively on the surface, uh, Noir just told me, or Angelo, I mean, just told me about this before the, the pod started. So I didn't know. Oh, I found out about before the pod started too. Lex called yeah. me and he's like, take a look at this. There's something something a little suspicious about Fury's gloves. Now they look awfully loose. Hold on. For, Before for we fight. say this, I I just want to look up what does suspicious actually mean. 
because I don't know if that's the word we want to use here. So suspicious means having or showing a cautious distrust of someone or something. Having the belief or impression that someone is involved in an illegal or dishonest activity. It's got several meanings. It does. And it's close enough that suspicious is the correct way that we want to put this. Look, most of my words have been retired because now you can't use those words in casual conversation <laughs> thanks to you kids. <laughs> so well, it's, I got to find new words. My vocabulary is going to be limited. Fury's gloves would... definitely look like they may not have been on super tight. I'll just put it that way. Now, does did it make any difference? I don't know. Maybe it didn't make a difference. Maybe it actually didn't help whatsoever. I don't know. See but, we and we we see we we got to bring this one up to full steam conspiracy because I said to you too Andre Ward was making because you were at the fight you you didn't hear the commentary no thank God Andre Ward was making a big deal about Wilder's gloves well what was he talking about because uh, they were supposedly like in a bag or something like a sealed bag and they say Nevada reseals like you know because everything when you select your gloves they they have to be sealed. And it's the whole thing between Floyd and Madonna when Madonna's gloves weren't sealed and those are the ones he picked. So they said, hey, no, 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 no. So they're supposed to come from sealed bags. You get your left and your right and you get to pick, you know, I think you get to pick three sets and then you get to choose the left and right between those three sets. I believe it's the way it works. And then they take those two gloves and they reseal them back up. And I think they might do a backup pair too as well. But Ward was thinking that because they pulled the gloves from the sealed thing or something, that there were some shenanigans up there. What if he was trying to cover for Fury? Uh, this, this, we're gonna we're gonna push this one to. Are a you? Do you think that. that Andre Ward would be dishonest? Yes. That is preposterous. Andre well, the Ward. Tried to, the man. The man tried to sue his promoter for uh, doing nothing wrong, and then tried to lie about it. Come on. Yeah, anybody who would try to bring anything onto the onto Brittany Goosen's family definitely is suspect to me. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And I got a problem with with anybody who's got a problem with Brittany Goosen's family. We're gonna have to we're we, we're gonna get Tom on this. These case. are fighting words. We're gonna we're gonna break this whole story wide open. Honestly, the way Deontay hits, like you would think that somebody at at some point in his career would have brought up, "Hey, we should check his gloves," because uh, he seems to knock. Anything out that he hits? People were too busy uh, saying that he wasn't hitting people flush to challenge the gloves. They, they were remember because they were saying everyone was taking dives against him. <laughs> Malik Scott. Yeah, yeah, they were they were they're saying, oh no, these guys are taking dives. He's not really hitting them that hard. So that that was the angle of the, the conspiracy theory. Oh, so That's Fury just threw himself on the floor bad. and like got up dramatically at yeah. ten, like yeah. it was WWE. He's building up his name. Oh, I see. I don't know. I, I'm really, I, man, see, I never usually rewatch fights, but I'm going to have to look at this one. Get to the bottom of this glove situation. I'm like, part of the reason why I don't rewatch fights is because I'm lazy. And yeah. I don't, like, I don't get that much enjoyment out of rewatching a fight unless it was, like, a super excellent fight. And I don't think the Wilder Fury fight was that interesting to me. Um, watching it live, I was like, okay, like, this, you know, this looks like, your standard heavyweight fight where one guy's better than the other. I don't have to go back and watch that. I can tune on or tune into the undercard of the, whatever fights are on this weekend and see something similar. Yeah. See, but we'll get, uh, Oh, wait a minute. 
oh, see, oh, this is going to be great. See, now, now, uh, Stitch Duran has denied that they were fixed. But the thing what is. What does he know? He's a cut man. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's it. They're, uh, I think it was Stitch. Yeah. But we always know Stitch is always, he goes where the money is. It's true. You know. He was in Jesse Vargas's corner. See, this is Didn't even help getting him. to, oh, this is even in the sun. Even the UK's picking up on this one. On the gloves thing? Yeah. But the this sun is, is like the, the the magazine that'll print anything in the UK. Yeah, but that's what they're saying, you know, because they reported on AmerCon Skype the, chats. They're just, they're just trying to discredit the sun. I got to say, it's just a little suspicious about how much of Fury's raps are showing. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the 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 raps is kind of interesting that you never see the raps that far pat, extended past the bottom of the glove. Yeah, and then also remember last October, a former Tyson Fury sparring partner said that Fury takes the padding out of his glove. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. Oh, it's it's going. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get justice for Deontay yet. <laughs> And and Otto, Otto yeah. was Otto had his 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 heavyweight championship stolen from him when the fight wasn't stopped when Fury's face was split open. Yeah, see, I think Fury even did this in the first fight too, because his tape's sticking out there too. Yeah, we're we're let's oh. stop while we're ahead. How long? Although going on boxing, we enjoy a boxing. good conspiracy. Uh, oh, we're gonna wrap this one up good. And see, this is why we could get Tom. Because Tom's fair and balanced, you know. Tom's not <laughs> over too overtly on the side of PBC or top rank or anyone. So he's he, he'll tell us the truth. Yeah, Tom for sure will will know uh, if Fury was cheating or not. Yeah. No, we are far more fair than than Tom is. Tom Tom, Tom is going to accuse Fury of doing methamphetamine before he came to the ring, and which is why he was able to throw so many punches. Tom also yeah. thinks that Dillian White is the, the third best heavyweight in the world. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh yeah, so we we're both in favor of the trilogy. Um, do you think the fight goes any differently? It might. You never know. Do you think that Deontay think is going to be affected by this loss? Mm, no. You know, Fury's got the edge and sort of the skill, and Deontay might be better. You know, see, that's why you, you can never really make predictions because you never know what a guy's mindset is. You never know how heavy his ring walk outfit's going to be. <laughs> you know, you never know what's going on. You never know uh, how far in his 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 fist is, is his into fist his glove. Is in the glove. <laughs> Look, I'm just I'm just saying you can go back to 2015 and there's people talking about Tyson Fury's gloves. So I'm thinking this I mean, whole. You could go back to 2015 and hear people talking about Tyson Fury uh, doing Nangelone, but you know we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that. We, we've got the whole conspiracy. About getting a white man back on top of boxing. Oh, we're gonna get to it. Look, if Tyson Fury can can believe in a conspiracy that I think what was it that Jews control the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, you know. Now the conspiracy bug's coming back. We 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 can have a little bit of fun about Tyson Fury uh, not putting his hand fully in his glove so he could punch with the palm part of the glove. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's punching with the he's punching with the, the the leather. But so one interesting thing to take up from this, you can believe it or not. Obviously, we're we're just making fun of this, okay? But the fact that you're seeing these videos pop up on Twitter or YouTube or whatever it is 
um, it really shows like the impact that this fight had. This was a big deal, and I know that th- there were there are those in the media who are trying to downplay the eight hundred thousand buys. Those people need to. I mean, I, I would like to say something pretty mean that I'm not going to say right now, but I don't know what these people are are smoking. Like you're incompetent as a boxing writer if you think that eight hundred thousand buys or whatever it actually winds up being is not an impressive number. I mean, you're just not in this like I don't know what planet you live on but you're incompetent and I like you should not be read you should not be paid attention to you should no longer have a platform if you're someone that is going to downplay the 800,000 buy number because to me it is preposterous it is it's just ignorant it really is like oh they didn't do a million so what since when did a million become the number and why would it be a million? Like, just think about it. Why would it be a million? Because it's no, a it, what a big round number. Yeah, it's something that uh, that uh, I think Dan Rayfield brought up to try to sort of shoot down Floyd. If he didn't sell a million, then the lost money somehow. Yeah, that was Floyd's baseline. These guys aren't Floyd. Tyson Fury and, and Deontay Wilder, between the, the the two of them, had two combined pay per views. Two. Their first fight was seen as a success, but if you look back at the numbers, it was like, eh, it's all right, you know, it's all, it's okay. It, it was far, like, what did they do, 325? Which yeah. exceeded expectations, no doubt about it. Yeah. Didn't have a big build. Yeah, it, it's a big number, whatever the number is, you know. Uh, Aram said that Coppinger was wrong, that that number was only for the traditional, and that the online was I don't more. believe that. At all. I don't believe anything, but I don't believe Coppinger knows numbers in either. I, I, I think that his numbers are close closer to being right than nah, what Aram think, is saying. I, I don't that think they, that knows. the number he got didn't include digital buys because nah. digital buys we would know immediately. Like I don't understand how people Bob Aram, you know I, I really I, I like Bob Aram, by the way. Everybody Just, every everybody with charging, people are always gonna claim that they didn't get their money back. You know, or they didn't. They had poor service, and they'll try to get a refund on it. So that's why. But that's because it's digital, and the processing goes through. Your processing goes to the cable and everything. But so I don't think that, that they would report. Like I, I think. Yeah, but no one reports the numbers. You only. This is only modeling. You know, and they only base like the, the actual people that handle pay per view. They know from the first week roughly what the modeling is going to be based on past events. They're just doing sort of like a rough estimate. Sort of like how people used to do with uh, movie premieres. You know, if you know what it pulls in the first week, odds are you're going to know what it's going to pull full first full domestic run. Well, you know, uh, just modeling. I mean, and so that's all they're doing. In a way, yes. Uh, like if you average things out, you will wind up being right most of the time. But obviously, it varies case by case. You'll make some I'm up here no and there. One knows the but. I, I think with the digital, you could factor in the fact that there are chargebacks and there are people who want refunds and things like that. But I think that they would know generally how many people clicked buy and report on that and not even care about um, counting the people who would wind up not actually being counted in the end. But another way to say that is they would know what they could report now, but not necessarily what they have to report for on the fiscal earnings because you know obviously you have to be exact with that. My um, point is, the only people that are getting the numbers, who are boxing writers, are getting it from a promoter. 
they don't have any insight other than unless they're using Melter's Google numbers, which are always okay. Wrong. But then why would Coppinger, who we clearly know is getting his information from Bob Arum or Eddie Hearn, why would it, well, first of all, if Coppinger tweeted out what Eddie Hearn said the numbers were, that's got to be one of the most egregious things I've ever heard. But I don't believe that that's the case. I think he got the number from Bob Arum. Why would Bob Arum come out and then later say, well, it didn't include digital? I don't know. Why when do they would know writers, digital before they knew traditional. Why do boxing writers talk about attendance numbers and then try to pretend that they're hiding people when the commissions report the actual sales? When you know the attendance and the sale numbers are completely different factors. But they try to make it like they're inflating the attendance, which is total attendance, which includes everyone working in the building. You know, sometimes just, they they think of all these stupid things. They're just writers. Well, uh, attendance can be calculated a lot of different ways, and exactly. we've seen and each state has different different fucking ways to do it. I mean, we saw with Wilder Fury, like they didn't have that many comps. Why do people still talk about Nevada having different size rings? Uh, <laughs> because clearly they don't actually read any rules. <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking people just make shit up all the time. But I mean, eight hundred like thousand is really good. Nothing, you know, it's like Stitch Rand saying nothing was wrong with Fury's gloves. You know, <laughs> people lie. It's, it's what they like to do. Eight hundred thousand is a really good number. Like that is really yeah, it good. Yeah, it is. It's a really great number. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it is not. You know, and but geez, so here's the weird thing too. Again, and like I, I tweeted about this too. The uh, Zone just probably spent maybe close to ten million dollars on this weekend card that everyone. Two hates PBC is praising. <laughs> and they probably did, I don't know, they'd be lucky if they break a million dollars. They probably won't even come close to a million dollars in ticket sales. So who gives a fuck if, like, uh, you're talking about Fox and ESPN. They're not exactly hurting for money, those both, either one of those establishments. No, they, 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 they their bread is buttered elsewhere. On- yeah, they're massively profitable companies. So uh, if, if they lose a couple million dollars on promoting a fight, eh. Oh, I, I'm very unhappy about this. I really, really am. Oh, what I'm going to interrupt what we're talking about. Oh, wow. This is just heartbreaking to me. Adrian Broner tweeted out uh, a poster. Adrian Broner versus Amir Khan. Oh, my God. Yes. I love the fight, but, like, I, I was so, like, I really am sold on the see, Mikey no, versus Khan. Amir Khan is a great opponent. That's and, why know, I love him into a fight. You're going to get a ton of attention. Everybody wants to see Amir Khan fight. But see, I, I, I <laughs> wanted him to see to fight Mikey because like I'm confident Mikey would knock him out. Confident, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. I would bet. Flip my position from early in the podcast to anyone who made it this late to see me push for AB and Amir Khan. But like. I don't know that Broner knocks out Amir Khan. Like, I don't. I think think some dude just made this fucking poster up. Well, but somebody's got a better idea than me. Yeah, this looks like um, like just a fan poster, but, like, this is is pretty imaginative. (laughs) Because it says Golden Boy. Does it really? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking... But but anyway, (laughs) at a minimum, this is just a really good idea. Yeah. Anyway, eight hundred thousand pay per view buys, great number. I don't know why there there are any there's anybody that's trying to paint this as like, oh, this is a disappointment, anything like that. <laughs> you know why? Like, 
because they were they were writing when Bob was saying it was going to do two million. Oh, God. <laughs> so now, now they're all trying to dig their fucking way out of it. I mean, I, I maybe to us it's good because of the expectation we have. I, I mean, we both ballparked it sub five hundred. We weren't sold at all yeah, yeah, on the we push. Didn't think it was going to be this big, and so we think it actually overperformed. Which you know well, that that makes sense. Gate, Expectations, you know. The gate was massive. You took almost seventy million at the gate. That's that. I, well, look, the the ticket prices were pretty insane, and we I think we were both aware of that. But yeah. I I didn't think that they were going to stay like that, and that they were going to actually move all of those tickets that they did. But that was pretty ridiculous. And eighty four you know, comps. That's it. Eighty four comps. That's that's the name of our new podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the and and there you make seventy million at the gate. There is no chance whatsoever that you don't do it again. Yeah. Like boxing history tells us if anyone who makes a lot of money, they go out and they try to redo it. Except unless you could make that Saudi Arabia money. They Uh, probably could have got Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua would have got at least half a billion dollars. And so now it's just ruined because Deontay Wilder is too greedy to step aside for the good of boxing. Wouldn't it? So for the sake of argument, let's, let's entertain that, which I think is just stupid. But if you're Eddie Hearn and you're Frank Warren and you're, and I bring those guys up specifically because it'll make sense in a second. If you have the opportunity to make Joshua and Fury and you're not going to do it in the U.S. and you don't do it in the U.K., I mean, my God, what are you guys doing? (laughs) Like truly, what are you doing? And, and And I'll tell you my idea for this. Yeah. Because I think I would be a brilliant promoter. This fight would be your opportunity to establish the UK as a viable alternative to fighting in the US. And what I mean by that is you now have the leverage to charge US prices. And you reset the standard of like, hey, normally our pay-per-views, £19.99 or whatever it is. We're charging 40 for this one. I think they moved it up to 25 now. We're, uh, We're charging 40 for this. Usually, yeah. ringside seats are 300 pounds. They're 1,000 pounds now. Like, I, I'm doing it. I don't care. And you set the standard. Like, this is what a big fight looks like in, in the UK. And now, Cheeseman's ringside seats. <laughs> Go up to 500. 500. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah for the cheese. So, you know, th- obviously, this fight makes the most sense. Even if, obviously, uh, Fury's not going to be fighting Joshua next. But... Um, if it does, it's obviously to me going to happen in the U.S. I think Fury. Oh, yeah, that's a weird thing about it. Even like uh, Aaron was talking about will be in the U.K. ESPN kicked in all this money for Tyson Fury. Why on earth would they let it go to the U.K.? Well, they 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 wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's just it's just so funny how everyone's talking past them. I mean, Lomachenko, they let him go to the U.K. Tyson Fury, their investment in Tyson Fury is not the same investment that they they have in Lomachenko. They they yeah, they don't even that, know who Lomachenko is. Yeah. So, is it? Don't you think it was funny that Eddie Hearn was negotiating with uh to to get that Fury fight when he already had the Pulitzer fight announced or ready to go? <laughs> but then uh, Bob Arum's telling uh, World Boxing News in an exclusive that they're not even close on the Pulitzer fight. Yeah. They're not. They're. They think they're going to purse bid. Eddie Hearn's announcing that it's yeah. done. 
I do wish Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum would have more business where they're sort of are like they got they got to do cross promotion fights, but it's not like a Bob just taking advantage of Eddie. Because I like the way. <laughs> good luck. Good, like really good luck. Because no, no, no. Because because then we get things like the Pulev stuff, where Eddie's like, "Oh, this thing's all done. It's all done, son." And then Bob's like, "Eh, we're not even close." Well, that's the <laughs> because thing. Because the amount of bullshit that will be flying between those two guys, but it'd be fucking great. But it's it's not in a fair fight, really, because Bob's like Bob has been in this for a long time. You know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, think yeah. about. Bob Arum, what he's been through in boxing, and Eddie Hearn's just a kid with a silver spoon who yeah. inherited this boxing and is trying to do the best job he can, but clearly he's an idiot compared to Bob Arum, who makes everyone look dumb because the guy's been in the game so long. Yeah. You know, Eddie's a, a good promoter. I, I'm not trying to say that Eddie's not a good promoter. He's a good promoter, just, but just not a, compared to Bob Arum. The UK. Bob <laughs> Arum has the dude's. Knows every trick in the book. When you're getting four million dollars for fucking Ramirez to come fight, and then he beats your guy. Like you think yeah. Jose Ramirez would have been able to take that fight if there was any chance he would have lost? You know, like Jose Zero. Ramirez. They go, yeah, he's popular. He's packing it out. Yeah, he's only charging ten bucks a ticket. <laughs> fucking Eddie's giving four million bucks for this fucking. Guy. You know, Lomachenko didn't go fight on Showtime against Gary Russell because they thought Lomachenko was going to lose that fight. Yeah. They would have never taken that fight. That was a calculated gamble that Bob Arum made. And Bob Arum's made some really nice calculated gambles over the year. Fury-Joshua rematch, that's a calculated gamble. Paid off. So, anyway, I think we should wrap it up here. This was obviously a less structured and organized episode because there's not a ton to talk about. We're we're kind of in a waiting holding pattern for fights. Everyone's yeah, everyone was sort of this is sort of like uh either Floyd was fighting or then Canelo on pay-per-view. When you have a big pay-per-view that everyone's sort of focused on, everything else sort of everyone's quiet about what they're up to now. And, and I think there's a lot of fallout that's happening right now. Um there's some things that uh, are happening behind the scenes I know of that um, I think everyone's just waiting to see. There are a couple of things that need to fall into place before everyone's plans get uh, come to fruition. And um, I, I think we're about to, see, we're starting to see like some, a little, some leaks. I think we, we saw David Benavides's next fights, possibly Caleb Truax. We know that Javante Davis's next fight is going to be announced very soon. He's been tweeting uh, or not tweeting. Um, Snapchat, maybe Instagram. Uh, I think he's Instagramming. Uh, that June is going to be when he's returning. So there's a lot of things coming coming out. Obviously, the the most the easiest way for promoters uh, to stay in the news or fighters to stay in the news is to have their fights be uh, leaked out or announced. And right now, we haven't seen much. I I anticipate we are going to see uh, at some point the levy's going to break and we're going to see a bunch of announcements get flooded out. But that's not here. So, oh, this week coming up, we have uh, Adam Konaki. He'll be fighting Robert Hellenius on Fox. Um, this should be a good fight. I think Konaki is not... I mean, I don't know that Konaki is the elite heavyweight um, that maybe some believe he is. Uh, I think his the ceiling for him is a, a really great competitive fight with Andy Ruiz, someone like that. 
Although yeah. I don't think that fight's happening anytime soon. Andy Ruiz no. is on another trajectory, I think. Yeah, I don't think Kanaki's any uh, great superstar, but he's just he's an enjoyable guy to watch, and he's got a bit of a following. He puts on fun fights. So. Yeah, I think that's the best way to sum Kanaki up. He's a guy that's fun. He's a fun heavyweight that's going to – he's a throwback. He's a guy that's going to get in there and mix it up. And he's not going to sit around and wait for one shot like Wilder. And that leads to perhaps very tense, but also very um, fights with, with not a lot of action. Konaki's going to be a guy that's going to go in there and mix it up. I mean, his fight with Chris Ariola last year was nuts. Yeah, that was a good one. Because that's it. If, when, you, you know, when you set your expectations correctly, you usually can't be disappointed by some guys. Yeah, and I think in boxing, that's just something to live by is temper your expectations because most of the time you will be let down. The other thing screwing up this whole air is that it's nine weeks away from May and no one knows who Canelo's fighting yet. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. And like, <laughs> like imagine my that. God. They're fucking this up again. Oh, my God. Poor Canelo. Do you think Canelo even money. cares at this point? Uh, no, he doesn't. Because he's getting paid, he's still huge in Mexico, which is all that he really cares about. And but I'm just saying, as a career, it's he's starting to disappear. Yeah, and, and look, that's something that we said at, when he signed. It's like he's now been put behind a paywall, and it's not just a paywall because obviously he fought on pay per view before, and that's the ultimate paywall in boxing. That's not their problem, though. It's not that it's it's a streaming service. It's not that you have to pay per month or by the year to to gain access to the fights. That's not a problem at all. That's what Showtime is, uh, in one sense of the word, uh, or or not in the word, but in one sense that's what Showtime is and that's what HBO is. But the problem is that they don't have a feeder. They don't have any connection to a, a network that can. Yeah, they got no much... foothold in the American consciousness. See, yeah, HBO and Showtime are like their cable channels up behind a paywall, but they're also, you know, Showtime's owned by bigger. CBS. Yeah, and yeah. HBO is Time Warner. These are huge, massive companies. And they have multiple channels that they can lean on, and those other channels that they're connected to do have major sports deals. You know, Turner yeah. had the NBA and yeah. MLB. What uh, Obviously, CBS has everything from golf to the NFL uh college football where they can feed um you know you have captive audiences that you can expose the fights and the programming to yeah it's just uh it's i don't know but yeah nine weeks away it's just like come on yeah no this this is definitely a clown show here yeah. who do you think he's gonna wind up fighting uh well i had my tickets ready to go for Cal smith <laughs> see that was that was so that's what makes it even weird the axes put out that thing they ran. They were ready to go with Callum Smith. And it's been pulled back. Yeah, so obviously Eddie's just trying to fuck did, with Golden Boy. Did you see that um, Billy Joe Saunders said that he needs like $30 million to fight? <laughs> that was a troll. Like, yeah, yeah, no, but that's that's almost making me like Billy Joe Saunders. If he's just going to understand like, oh, no, these people that, are idiots that, and like I can no, play hardball no. with them. The, the, I think the guy who treated that out is that guy who pretends he's boxing kingdom. But he's different. Oh well, he's neither stopped. one of them knows what they're talking about. So I know, but that's funny because because the guy who's uh, who's mocking them is usually funnier and, and you know <laughs> and more on point than the the guy he's mocking. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be funny though. I wish Bill Sanders would come out and say that, but yeah, that'd make me respect him or something. 
Well, well, Mikey Garcia is getting paid what seven million seven to headline million. a card, and Danny Jacobs got paid twelve, and Kovalev yeah. allegedly got close to eight figures or eight well, figures. And, and and I really wish the pundits would stop saying Canelo is deciding the money. Canelo is negotiating. No, no, no. This is all Golden Boy. Canelo ain't fucking. He he doesn't give two shits about this. He's not deciding splits anymore. Nope. You know. Because it's not pay-per-view. So quit pretending that it's him pushing back on these numbers. Canelo's getting paid no matter what. You know, he's getting his money. This is all golden boy, and they're just keep fucking everything up. Like, imagine, I, I said this before. Imagine you're MGM. You want to have these things done. You want to say to your people, hey, come out. You know, even though this is a big weekend, we saw them fuck up last year, you know, at fucking up Independence Day. You know, so is so people will, and they <laughs> just like with the, the drug testing one, you know, where Canelo failed for, which he shouldn't have been suspended for, but he did. So that you're talking, you're almost your third potential fight with MGM in Vegas that you might lose, or at least you're fucking making it very difficult for them to promote. You know, and I said, they're at the point where, you know, someone else might slide in there. That's why I never believe the Japan thing, you know. But I guess you know, we're wrapping God, up. it feels so long ago that the Japan thing was actually on the table. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just like you, you, you stop fucking around with Canelo. You know, he's such, a, he's such, he's a great thing for the sport. Great fighter, huge attraction. Fucking someone get in there and slap the fuck out of Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they, they, Canelo is probably the one fighter in the sport where at the start of the year. You should already know who his two opponents are. Yeah. Yeah. You're locked in. Like with Spence, they already knew the whole plan for Spence. He's fighting Garcia. Yeah, they, they we Garcia know we're them. going to Porter, and we know after Porter, we're going to Garcia. Yeah. Like Wilder, like no, they knew what they were no doing accidents. with him. There's no injuries. There's no nothing that you know they had to adjust for. It's just and, and here's the great thing about the zone. It's the two promoters that are getting the most money out of them that are squabbling. It's right. Golden Boy squabbling with fucking Matchroom. But also, because the money is ba- basically, like, just there's just budget. There's, like, the negotiation, I think, are harder than if you would have a pay-per-view where it's like, hey, just we're dealing with splits here. Yeah, yeah. Well, but this is this is definitely, so this is why, this is why I need pay-per-view for big fights. Because you could push it to a point where all these little greedy bastards can get their cut. But here you go. With these two, both these guys got these massive contracts with the zone and they're squabbling over money. It's just, it's fucking hilarious and more people should cover it. It's not fucking Canelo golden boy and matchroom. Yeah. Well, when matchrooms side is the one that provides most of the information for leaks. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to, no one wants to get cut off. Yeah. See, see, and this is the problem. They're almost approaching a UFC style media where these guys are fucking going to be afraid to say anything even objective about these promotions because they, they don't want to be their... cut off. Yep. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem with air hern flying guys out and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're buying favorable coverage. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks a lot for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you like this podcast, do us a favor, leave a, leave us a great uh, rating or a review on however you all watch you, this. Yeah. All you flyweight fans, uh, remember to spread the word that I am the flyweight expert. So just <laughs> tell all your flyweight pals to tune in. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah. So of the flyweight division. Yeah. Let, let, let's let, let's end this before you say anything else uh, <laughs> offensive towards the the fans of the lower weight classes. Um, okay. For those of you who do enjoy the lower weight classes, as always, you can reach me in the chat. We could talk about my fav one of my favorite fighters of all time, Akira Yagashi, who Fred would have no appreciation for because you're a plebeian. Oh, I thought you were going to say Johnny Tapia. Uh, I'm not a fan of his. <laughs> I know. <laughs> For no reason. I like I, I don't know. I don't like him. I thought I thought his whole gimmick sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just cuz you have heart doesn't mean I really care for you, you know. Brandon Rios had a lot of heart. I, I wasn't a big fan of him as a fighter. Yeah. But anyway, that's it for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back very soon. And if you're on the Patreon feed, well, I'll be back very very soon. So thanks yeah. for listening. There guys. I do it for the halves and the half nuts. All he had was a half in a glass pot. Got a race to heat the first one with the last rock. Every day you see his face is like a mascot. Trapping out the Honda, no he never had.